You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, and this is episode 367 of the Columbia Calling Podcast. Well, it's some exciting news coming up. Is that, uh, while this podcast is going out, I am writing articles about a recent trip up to the border with Venezuela, to the border city, Colombian side, Cucuta. Well, I'll be looking at the humanitarian response to the continuing crisis with Venezuelan migrants, the Brazilian strain of COVID-19, which is up there, and various other uh, articles and stories, which I can't tell you about just yet because I've kind of got them under wraps, but uh, they'll be out soon enough and I'll share them with all of you. So that's quite exciting to share with you here. Of course, I'm grateful to all of you who've been active on the Patreon campaign, sponsoring us for as little as uh, $2 a month and uh, as much as $75 a month. So I'm really, really, uh, well, I'm, I'm flattered that people would want to, uh, you know, promote and of course support the Columbia Calling podcast. Podcast. Uh, how did you find last week's episode? I, I was uh, pretty pleased with it myself. Episode 366 with Angela Maria Carreño of Children Change Colombia. Again, I'm a trustee of that NGO. Very small, the money goes to the projects, and I believe very strongly in what they do around Colombia. So uh, check out the website, childrenchangecolombia.org. Uh, today's show is quite special as well. I would say actually quite special. It's incredibly special, episode 367, because it's a, an opportunity for us to welcome back one of the first interviewees on the podcast way back in 2013. I think she was episode 23. Her name's Sabrina Priolo. She's Italian. Uh, when we had her on, she was talking about the Ilo Sagrado, which was her foundation helping empower women in the Guajira, um, Guajira Peninsula area, so the Wayu indigenous women and their artesanias, the mochilas and so on, that they so expertly weave. Uh, but this time... So much has happened in her life, totally tragic and totally horrific. I mean, unthinkable uh, things have happened. But somehow and through tenacity and positivity and therapy, she's come through on the other side. And so we're talking to her today in Zambia. So yes, a lot has happened in the seven, eight years since we last spoke. Um, but we're talking to her today in Zambia. And due to events which occurred in her life and i'm not going to explain them here because it's i mean they're absolutely horrific and she will speak about them if it's if it's in her nature to speak about them uh, and, and uh, you just need to google her name and maybe uh, google attack on a un or U usaid funded camp in south sudan several years ago and you'll find out what happened but uh she has managed to come out the other side into 2021 with a positivity and having set up her own coaching scheme for, well, not only to empower women, but also to provide therapy and training for humanitarian aid workers. And I think 
the psychosocial element of this is is incredibly necessary and very under uh, developed for these entities and these organizations so we talked to Sabrina who from her own experiences has been able to move forward and is helping others and you know and of course her life in Colombia her life in South Sudan her life in Peru her life in Zambia have all you know uh, they've all intertwined to create what she is today so I know you're going to enjoy this show. It is horrific at parts, but at the same time, there is an uplifting message behind it all. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you in advance to Sabrina for sharing her story with us. And of course, look us up on Patreon, Columbia Calling, and sponsor the podcast and uh, ensure it's a viability for these months and years to come. Thank you again, and bye-bye. And we're back. This is the third segment of episode 367 of the Columbia Calling podcast. It seems a bit unreal that we are here into episode 367 because back in 2013, when I was a novice podcaster, I had this guest, the guest who will be on right now, on I think episode 23. Her name is Sabrina Prioli, and basically she was here in, in, in Colombia. She did some work, I know, for the NGO War Child, uh, obviously helping with uh, children, I guess, at-risk children and uh, children who have been victims of violence and so on here in Colombia. She was also, I, guess, I think, the director of Hilo Sagrado, or at least uh, one of the organizers of Hilo Sagrado, which was an empowerment uh, kind of entity, helping uh, Guajira, Wayu women, get their products and traditional original projects uh, products out into you know the international market and then the money would go back into uh, social projects I think up in the Guajira and it was a great conversation but since then Sabrina has been in Peru and then in various countries in Africa there's been some experiences that she will talk about uh, but now we're talking to her in Zambia which is the most crazy thing I think I think it's I think this might be the first call between Colombia and Zambia ever so Sabrina thank you so much for agreeing to come back on the podcast thank you Richard thank you because uh, you know since 2013 this is great that we meet each other again <laughs> it's, 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 it's bizarre it's bizarre and I was looking back through and, it's like, and I listened to a bit of it and I was like god I was awful back then <laughs> and talking about these things but uh, you know rather than reflect on this it's it's wonderful to to have you on the show it's wonderful to be talking to you and uh, I remember you know I remember your house I think it was in Teo Saquillo just filled with why you bag I mean, filled, filled, filled. And I think yeah. actually my wife Alba bought like two. Was <laughs> it La Soledad? Do you yeah. remember La Soledad? Yes, yeah. that's it, Soledad. Yeah, I remember it. It was a big, it was a great house. I mean, you had the, you know, yeah. the sun trap and everything else. Uh, and, and you know, you had, a, you had a, I mean, it was, I think, a very, you know, enjoyable uh, um, lifestyle here. But then, so tell us, I mean, tell us what, what you know, after Colombia, you went to Peru. And who were you working with in Peru? So I, um, during the period I was in Peru, uh, I was working as a consultant because mm. I worked for different uh, NGOs and uh, private company as a specialized in monitoring evaluation. So planning, monitoring and evaluation. 
So uh, during the period in Peru, I still was working in, in uh, Colombia for okay. different uh, program. And I was working for a World Food Program too. So I was working in uh, different region of Colombia, like Valpes, Choco, wow. uh, Buenaventura. And uh, so then I, um, I moved to Peru because my husband uh, got a, a job in Peru. So I moved uh, also uh, in Lima. And uh, I continue my, my work as a consultant. A consultant yeah. and um, so for different uh, companies also in, in Peru. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's been amazing. But, uh, usually for, uh, yeah, sorry. It's okay. It's, it's, my it's my been dog a, is barking. It's all right. The dog's bark. Uh, uh, mine's sick today, so it's, he's not barking. But, um, but always in monitoring and evaluation, always in, in consultancy, always with NGOs and humanitarian outfits. Yes, yes. I worked uh, as a, a planning, monitor, and evaluation specialist. And uh, of course, in uh, in Colombia, I worked uh, with uh, child soldiers. Mm-hmm. So in project uh, uh, regarding uh, psychosocial support, education, and protection. Uh, and I worked, of course, uh, with uh, women in empowerment, uh, project of empowerment of women. Okay. Well, your dog, is this a dog that I met in Colombia as well? Yes, he's a Colombian dog. <laughs> <laughs> Hence, he's barking he's away in the background. Dog. I think he knows. He knows that I'm in Colombia. <laughs> so, but let's not trivialize. I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing that, you know, you worked in all of these things. And of course, this takes you around the world. And I know I have a lot of listeners who work in humanitarian projects, aid projects. Uh, and, you know, all of your time, all of your time in Colombia, we work with child uh, soldiers and, of course, monitoring and evaluation up in, in Valpez. I mean, amazing departments to work yeah. in, I think. But uh, did you ever receive the necessary psychosocial help after, you know, you spend time with children who are telling you about the most horrific experiences or so on? Are you getting the psychosocial help needed Um let's say, after a project or during a project when you're working? No, I didn't. Unfortunately, this is uh, a a problem of humanitarian workers because... uh, uh, suffering from burnout, this is uh, this is called for us burnout, is not a sign of uh, is a sign of weakness, lack of ability. So you need to be strong. You need to be active all the time if you want to work in this kind of sector. Mm-hmm. So it's like uh, you are weak if you start to complain or you start to be tired or you start to be you know uh, too much sad. And this is. Um, and this is something I mean uh, this is something that the NGOs has to be recognized because we usually work in really difficult context with victims of violence victims of uh, brutal and atrocity abuse and uh, and crimes and so we um, uh, you know in context where you don't have the possibility to have also uh, social uh, um, uh, social and uh, social meeting Mm -hmm. the time for yourself to 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 recover or uh, time to to go out or in this context you can't go out uh, uh, easily you have yeah. to be careful you have to be at home you have to be in your uh, you know in your hotel and uh, you don't have the possibility to talk with other people so 
and I'm talking in general, yeah, right? Yeah. It's not just I'm talking in general. For example, uh, in Africa, especially in difficult contexts in Africa, you have to work in a compound. Mm. So you have uh, uh, really um, um, strong measures of security. So you can't uh, uh, go outside uh, when you want. You can have uh, a walk. So you are really in a... Uh, time by time your yeah. mind gets sick of course and uh, you don't have any kind of support yeah. uh, you can't walk you can't talk it's, uh, sometimes just talking it's enough for uh, for the humanitarian workers in this trouble but so you're in what is essentially a, a physical cage and a mental cage i mean that's this is the thing you can't go for a walk you can't clear your head you can't use what would be let's say comforts maybe if you're from europe or north america the the sort of i don't know what your comforts would be in england i suppose it would be going to the pub and and talking to your friends or or actually but you don't have that and i imagine in these compounds it's it's pretty basic as well yes yes exactly and um and another problem is that the aid worker, they are always in a kind of um, alarm. They leave, they leave in a, in they live in a in a sense of alarm every time. So uh, they have to be ready for everything. They have to be ready for uh, everything can happen, but also uh, ready for uh, emergence. Mm -hmm. So you are always in emergence. And so this is something that uh, in a certain point, uh, a human being can't can't deal with that uh, all day. You know, it comes a time that you you can't. Mm. So um, there is a, a physical, an emotional exhaustion. Mm. There is, a, can, uh, you know, you can be cynic. Ah, there is also a kind of cynicism, detaching, yeah. Yeah, cynicism. Um, you can start to have a lack of unsatisfaction also for your work. Um, uh, there is also sometimes lack of uh, role clarity in this kind of work because you, you know, at a certain point you have to do everything. For yeah. example, I'm uh, specialized in uh, monitoring and evaluation, but I had to do uh, also other things. Or, mm -hmm. For example, also uh, risk management or other kind of, of work. So there is a lack of responsibility sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, there is... Um, uh, an accumulation of distress. Yeah. And so this is something that come and became, uh, uh, you burn yourself. This is, yeah, this is the burnout. But this, this, yeah, as you say, accumulation of stress, this pressure on a, on a human being. And yeah, I, I guess to, to get into humanitarian work and aid work, of course, you go through various interviews and psychological or some training, maybe back in or Spain or, or France or Italy or England or the United States. But it doesn't prepare you in any way for what you will see on, on the ground. And as you say, this, it's 100% alarm a state of emergency the whole time i don't know how people can can you know yeah. bear this and so i mean you're you're I mean, if we go into a bit of your experiences and this is you know one of the reasons that we're we're talking is that you have a vast amount of experience in different locations of the world and over time and now as we talk in in 
2021 and we're all suffering from trauma i mean there's a and i think colombia even prior to uh, the pandemic the whole country has a post-traumatic stress disorder I, yeah. I think you know 60 odd years 64 years of conflict and conflict that has been so embedded in the national psyche i think there's a trauma here that is 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 very very deep um and of course you know we look at the the ex guerrillas, the ex FARC in their in their um, zonas de transición or whatever they're called now, they we know that they're not receiving enough psychosocial help, and we know that even the the let's say paramilitaries who who turned themselves in or surrendered or you know, whatever they did back in in two thousand and two, I want to say no later than that two thousand and six seven, um, they aren't receiving it. They're still not receiving the necessary. Um, the necessary care but i mean you are now a humanitarian and aid worker coach and uh well professional you've got your accreditation in order to mm -hmm. uh provide this kind of uh this kind of psychosocial care that, that's right yes yes i'm a, a professional coactive coach and uh, i'm uh, um, an accredited, uh, I'm an ACC coach, and uh, I made different uh, specialization in positive intelligence. Uh, uh, you know, to work the the saboteurs and the negative emotions and transforming positive emotions. And I also did uh, an interesting course in coaching trauma because coach usually doesn't. Uh, uh, doesn't uh, work a trauma. Uh, is not uh, the, the coach is not a psychotherapist. Is uh, a, a person who accompany people to get back in their life. You know. Okay. So um, and uh, the coach coaching help people to reconnect themselves with the, their values, mm -hmm. their purpose of life, and so they you know in this way they receive the strength. The, the, the power to get back in uh, what they really want in their yeah. life. And this is really helping me also, uh, my, or, or help me a lot coaching after a trauma I had uh, in uh, South Sudan while I was working as a command uh, worker. And uh, so my, um, you know, my coaching uh, um, prevent, uh, you know, help to prevent the burnout in uh, accompanies aid workers in difficult field to feel empowered, uh, fiercely taking care of themselves and uh, themselves and others. First of all, themselves, and then they can also help others because if yeah. they, you can help yourself, you can't help other people. And um, so building a, a muscle of mental fitness because uh, one of the problems of the humanitarian worker is that uh, uh, they are stuck in their negative emotions and they, they also uh, forget uh, not, not only to, to, to do exercise and, uh, you know, uh, and um, think uh, to take care of themselves, yeah. but they are stuck in these negative emotions. And so it's important to, uh, to understand how mental fitness, this is a specific technique, can help you to really reconnect with your life, right. with your, uh, yeah, with your life, with your emotions, with your purpose. 
And uh, I also help uh, uh, humanitarian workers in uh, their leadership mm-hmm. in uh, uh, yeah in uh, leadership in humanitarian workers, of course. So, uh, so there are different techniques that I can't uh, explain you now, but uh, <laughs> it's really um, powerful and uh, really helpful. Okay. I can tell. Well, I was going to ask uh, you know an idea of a technique, but if you can't explain, it's okay. But uh, I. So I want to, to to follow your your course a bit again. So after Peru, where was your next uh, where was your next port of call? Um, so after Peru, now while I was in Peru, I accepted a consulting in South Sudan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a USA program, so I had to uh, do like uh, it was a program of monitoring evaluation. Mm-hmm. And so I went in uh, Juba in 2016, July 2016. So I was, you know, continuing my my work as a consultant. I, unfortunately, I was victim of a brutal assault because in 2016, while I was there working uh, a civil war, uh, suddenly started again. Even if it was a peace moment, you know, we were working in peace uh, peace building. Uh, unfortunately, this uh, civil war happened uh, suddenly. We were, I was in a compound certified uh, safe by the United Nations. Uh, I was uh, far away. I mean, the United Nations, you and me, was just one kilometer far away from the compound. Uh, when the civil war started, we weren't, uh, we, me and other aid worker, like uh, in total, we were like about 25, 30 humanitarian workers from uh, every part of the world. Uh, We stayed in the compound. Nobody came to rescue us. And so we were in the middle of bombs and um, uh, yeah, it was the war outside the compound. Uh, after, After four days, unfortunately, the military soldiers the government, gover, governmental soldiers, they came into the compound. They started to, um, to destroy the compound and they started to threaten us. Yeah. Uh, we were in the only building uh, safe in a way that they, it was a bullproof uh, door. Uh, they uh, started to threaten and they could come into the, the, the house because one of the windows was broken. So that's, uh, this is the UN uh, compound certified. Yeah. So they came in and uh, they killed a journalist, a South Sudanese go- uh, journalist. Uh, one of my colleagues was shot in, the, in, uh, in his legs. And uh, me and other women were uh, victim of sexual uh, rape. We were raped. I was raped by five soldiers. I was uh, uh, beat very hard. I was tortured with a, a spray uh, for mosquito. And I was left uh, together with another colleague all night, uh, all afternoon and all night in this compound. Even if it was the... Um, ceasefire and nobody came to rescue us so that was horrible uh, no no I mean uh, uh, our government my government other American government other gov- nobody uh, denounced the crime 
uh, neither not our organizations. Mm. That was uh, something, mm, I mean, something uh, incredible, but uh, nobody, that was uh, very, uh, it was a very uh, important and uh, uh, terrific attack because uh, uh, the United Nations also admitted in an investigation in a report um, that they refused to, ha- to help us, not only us, also other civilians outside the, the UN compound. So, um, well, I decided, uh, I mean, I was, I suffered of, um, of course, uh, post-traumatic stress, depression, and, uh, but um, I w- didn't want to give up. So I started um, therapy, um, EMDR, EMDR before it's uh, a technique for trauma for trauma it's a technique especially specific for trauma and uh, then I realized uh, little by little you know step by step I uh, what really moved me and what really transformed myself in another Sabrina was also the the sense of justice I wanted justice I, I couldn't accept the silence of the institutions, the silence of the government, the silence of our organizations. So I decided to to fight for my justice and reparation. I was the only victim to come back in South Sudan and testify in front of my perpetrators. And I could open again a a penal case of of our case. Uh, in 2000, well, it, the, the story is really long, but it's also written in my book. Uh, in, 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 it, in English, is uh, Rise Up Phoenix. Uh, but uh, it's a long story. But in all this process, in all this story, I was left completely alone by, my, um, by the diplomacy, by the institution, by my organization. So I had to recover alone. And um, I decided to, a friend of mine uh, told me to, to, to try the coaching because uh, after two years of therapy, you know, I was dealing, I was uh, recovering, but I don't know, something missed in my life. I didn't have uh, the, you know, any, uh, I didn't have any kind of perspective. I lost my job. I didn't want to work anymore in this in the humanitarian sector. Uh, I didn't trust anybody. I was like, uh, yeah, but what's about my life? All my years of work, all my all my studies, all my life. It's uh, where is my life? I couldn't recognize myself. So I started coaching, and uh, you know, I um, I uh, discover myself again. Well, I discovered the same Sabrina, but with another meaning of life, with another perspective, with another, because I now work with a lot of women, women that uh, also, who also had uh, sexual abuse, sexual violence. So I accompany these women to get back of their life, to, you know, to, to reach again uh, their purpose of life. And so I'm so happy because I'm still helping, <laughs> uh, but in another way. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is so important that women, they, you know, all women, they had this terrible experience. They can uh, find in the dark in a, a light. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And when you see the light, you want to reach this life. Nobody can stop you. So I help these women to see the light and go to this light. And so with people uh, working in the humanitarian sector, it's the same because they are, you know, these kind of people are in the dark and you can go out of the dark if you want and if you really believe in yourself. So I'm really uh, happy and proud of my strength and my power because uh, I I won Mm -hmm. and they lost. I didn't want that they, you know, the people, they raped me, they didn't have to, to, to win. <laughs> I, in, I'm, I'm speechless. And I obviously had read about uh, in what happened to you. Two years of therapy to undo. It doesn't undo. It's the wrong word. Two years of therapy to unwrap the trauma and the depression that you're going through sounds to me like an incredibly short amount of time after the type of experience that you had uh, the mass rape the gang rape the torture being left i would assume for dead uh you know you were beaten as well in a compound no one coming to help you and that i think that at the end is that there's no one and as you said no one uh, has helped and there was no one there and i you're probably you're next to someone who's been shot in the legs and you're next to a journalist who's been assassinated murdered murdered right there two years to me sounds like an incredibly short amount of time and i'm talking to you here and you're smiling and you're upbeat and you have a positivity to help other women from the strength and the depths of your experience i am I am speechless. I am amazed. And at some point I will read the book. And, and of course you can get it, I think on, on Amazon rise up Phoenix and it's in several yeah. languages. And I don't know how you come back from that, Sabrina. I don't know how you come back from that because I would say that there's probably higher than 95% of people can't come back from that kind of trauma and that kind of violence and gender violence and, I don't know how you do it. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. There's a, you know, South, and you came back to South Sudan. I mean, that yeah. on itself to come back to Juba uh, or, and to attend the court and see the victimizers, the perpetrators of this. How I mean I'm I can only assume that even boarding the flight to come back to South Sudan there was a feeling in your body in your gut. Can you just yeah. tell us a bit about this return to South Sudan? Yeah, sure. It's uh, <clears throat> of course, Richard. It was very very strong. Uh, of course, uh, I mean I was uh, completely. Uh, scared and I didn't want to come back and once I was there what happened that is also described in the book um, before to coming to the into the court martial I was outside I was in the car I was waiting that the victim the perpetrators came into the the military came into the court martial uh, they were just 12, but uh, they were more than 100 when they attacked the compound, but just 12 persons 
12, uh, 12 militants were uh, arrested. At a certain point, uh, uh, I was with my eyes closed. I was trying to do, you know, uh, relaxing and meditation <laughs> because to be calm. And at a certain point, my husband told me, uh, Sabrina, um, it's, uh, you have to be ready because the, the soldiers are here. They came in, to, so now they are going to call you. <gasps> so my heart started to, <laughs> it was... Uh, a really a bad moment is something that I couldn't, I thought, no, I can't, I can't. I was like uh, lo losing my, my sense. I was like, then uh, I, they called me. When I opened the door of this court martial, you can imagine it's a really, it was just a small, a small room, a very small with uh, full of militars and uh, full of, uh, it was a, a bit dark, you know, it was a bit, when I opened, the first thing that I felt, it was this, the, the smell. It was a flashback mm. for me because I, I smelled the soldiers mm. and it was a flashback. And that moment I felt like, okay, I'm losing my, you know, I'm, I was going, I was falling down. But then I felt like, uh, okay, no, Sabrina, you are here. They have to hear your voice and not only your voice, you have the possibility to, to, you know, to express the voice of thousands of women they can't talk. Women, they, they, they can't stay here now because they, they, they don't have this possibility. So we have to be strong also for them. And believe me, Richard, I felt in my back like, a big, I don't know, a power pushing me in this uh, court martial. I came into and I, I was there. You know, I was, the interrogation was for six hours and I was completely, I don't know if I have to come back. I don't know if I'm, uh, I, I could be there. Uh, I was so strong. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I was very, uh, um, because a person was translated for me in English and Arab, but I could uh, listen all the all the words translated in English from Italian, and so I was really careful. No, you have to say that I was for six hours. Then, um, of course, a lot of. Uh, questions ridiculous yeah. they try to 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 make me feel like uh, a bad woman that were you know uh, you know question like uh, did you meet uh, some of these soldiers before did you invite in your room one of these soldiers uh, did you go out alone uh, during these days you know these ridiculous questions that uh, at a certain point I was the accuser. But I was so strong yeah. that uh, I, ex you know, I explained exactly what happened without any kind of weakness. And then at a certain point, the judge told me, okay, can you recognize one of these soldiers? So I had to go close to my perpetrators, even if they were close. And also in this moment, I felt the same loneliness that I had when I was alone in this compound. But I told to myself, I don't have to be afraid now. They have to be afraid, not me. Because I'm here to talk for justice. They have to be afraid, not me. And so also in this case, I was strong. I recognized these soldiers. Uh, one of them were, were laughing, was laughing in front of me. And it was the one of the captain who uh, didn't rape him, who beat me very hard and who ordered to rape me. 
and this uh, captain uh, died after two months uh, after my after my witness uh, because I don't know you can uh, you know FBI was uh, investigating who uh, ordered this uh, attack in the compound and uh, one of the person I recognized was the captain of the troop and this person died who knows how <laughs> Yeah, and so go on. No, I just want to say that uh, the verdict was pronounced after one year. Uh, It was pronounced without the file record. Who uh, this file record of the court martial is missed? We don't have the court the the record. Uh, I can't appeal. The soldiers were, you know, uh, someone was condemned to, uh, um, to from five years to uh, the entire life for different crimes. Uh, they decided to give 2.5 million to uh, the owner of the compound and uh, to me and to other victims who testified after remotely. Uh, they decided to give $4,000 and uh, 52 cows to the family of the journalist killed. So, and 2.5 million to the owner of the compound. So something is... uh, (laughs) There's, yeah, there's something that doesn't connect there. Uh, No. uh, I can't believe when I think about this and the 4,000 dollars of compensation i can't believe that that feels like justice for you no 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 and in fact i'm still fighting mm. for reparation even if the the problem is that i couldn't appeal in court yeah. in supreme court because the file is missed so now i'm in a i'm trying to you know in a in a kind of negotiation i'm in a kind of negotiation with the with the government of South Sudan, but uh, you know, it's uh, two years that I'm still waiting. And, and of course, again, without any diplomatic help. I didn't receive any legal assistance, any medical assistance. So this is, that goes against different uh, convention of, uh, convention of, it's Istanbul Protocol, okay. uh, you know, Convention of the Victim of um, Tortures. Uh, there are so many conventions that are not respected by my government also. I, I, uh, I mean, do you, do you really think that there'll be reparations? Do you really hold out hope that the government of South Sudan will make a, an about face and say, uh, yes, uh, Severina Prioli, uh, you can appeal. Well, the file's lost, but we we need to uh, make good. Let's say on on what. Do you really think anything will will occur? The the fact is that uh, the negotiation was proposed by the South Sudan government. Okay. I also signed two letter to the Minister of Justice in to accept this ridiculous, uh, in any case. Uh, 
um, negotiation because it, there was there, it wasn't a very nego- a real negotiation. I had to accept what they decided. In any case, I signed, but it's two years. I'm still waiting. They don't listen. They don't receive our call. My my lawyer is trying everything. So what I want to say that it, without diplomatic help. Nothing is possible. And we, humanitarian uh, workers, especially specialized, that we are working for peace, you know, to build peace. If not, we don't deserve this kind of treatment. We don't deserve that. Because if I was a diplomatic person, I received all the necessary help all the necessary assistance. But because I'm not representing Italy or other people are not representing their country, they are, treat- they are treated in this uh, shame way because uh, we are human beings. We, are, we, we, are sa- we have the same right of every person. And Okay. Uh, i mean this this experience obviously i mean you know you go back uh, to italy i think yeah. you are italian and, and you go back to italy and you have your years of uh, of of therapy and you found this way forwards you found this way uh, despite no help from the bl- yeah. diplomatic world despite no help from the italian and of course, now everything is more, all of this, uh, you know, documentation, court work is frozen because of the pandemic. Everything else is put to the back. Uh, and you've, but you've returned to Africa. I mean, I would think that the continent of Africa would be, yeah. you know, there would be a dark <laughs> part of your heart, you know, saying, I, I can't go back to Africa. And, you know, Zambia is not an easy country either. Uh, and But you've, you are a model of uh, resilience and recovery yeah. for everyone, and, and I, I, I can only admire you. I personally would never have. I, I can say I would never have been able to survive this. And and again, I would say ninety nine percent of people couldn't. And you've done your, you've you've written the book about it, which I imagine was therapeutic to go through the book and it, and, yeah very uh, therapeutic and you have the website sabrina prioli uh, so if people want to get in touch with you and to have uh, you know hear your your way of of uh, of helping and and uh, enabling people to recover or, or at least as you say come towards the light once again from these dark places I'm just uh, kind of, I just don't know what to say because I've never had a conversation with anyone who, who has been so, so very positive. Uh, uh, and I just kind of want to ask, is, is, uh, changing the subject, but on the same subject, I mean, you must have read because it must have made the news, uh, it, it definitely made the news in Italy and here in Colombia, but there was a, a young man, an Italian man, uh, who they said, hung himself in you know committed suicide in san vicente caguan yeah i know his story yeah yeah uh, mario i wrote it down mario pacioli and mario mario pacioli Pacciola. and he didn't i mean i've got i've got information uh, and he was working for a humanitarian uh, you know uh, entity 
And yet, okay, so they got all the other humanitarian workers from this entity out of San Vicente and the area, but I don't think they're receiving the kind of help needed because one of their own is officially declared that he committed suicide. But, you know, in journalists and other circles, we have other information. How would you approach, without giving away your your techniques, but how would you approach his colleagues to say, listen, I can help you? Well, uh, I think one way is to um, find the strength to uh, go forward and, uh, you know, the strength to continue what they are doing. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the important thing is to recognize that uh, every one of us has the the energy and the... um, the power, the the quality, the values, uh, the the um, the resource. Every one of us has the resource to continue to and to to deal, and uh, so it's just uh, the way to find this resource. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you uh, understand which is your resource, and you can. Uh, uh, be you know more you you can be stronger and stronger and don't give up because this is the that was I also used for myself. Okay. I don't want to give up. I want to re, re reconnect myself with myself with my values. And another thing is to you know when a person uh, think that there is nothing to do that you don't believe anything you don't believe to anyone you don't believe. Uh, that's the, the moment also when I felt really depressed. I didn't believe in nothing. Also in nature, that I'm really passionate about nature. I'm a mountaineering and I find my resilience when I go in the mountain. In the, but I also felt something negative also in the energy, sorry, in the, in the, in the nature. So can you imagine how I was, how was depressed? But what really helped people like... Uh, me or like people that they don't believe in nothing anymore is to reconnect with the resonance of life. So you have to reconnect with something that you feel feel yourself resonant. Like, oh, this kind of vibration in yourself, they say, oh, wow, this is something that really let me, let me feel something energy or something good that uh, I can do and that I can uh, make, uh, I can also make action because that can let me, that, that these things feel me resonant in life. So this is the important thing. You have to find something that feel you, like feel you, the resonance of life, the vibration. It's a way for you to guide these people to find that element yeah. maybe that element somewhere. The wow wow I, the, everything is the values you know mm-hmm. the values that you have the quality and uh, and also see life in another perspective because once you when you think that everything is in one block you don't see other perspective that of the same problem in different perspective for example, you are stuck in a problem and you see just this problem. But if you see this problem in different perspectives, you have a different views of the problem. And then, yes, you can choose. Once you have 
the, the, the general perspective, the general view, then from your values, from your inner leader, then you can choose what you do. But when you are stuck in one block, in one problem, you don't see anything. You don't see yourself and you don't see the, the, the possibility um, solutions. I think, I think we could talk for hours, uh, but unfortunately... <laughs> Uh, we don't have enough time, but I would like yeah. to thank you so much uh, for sharing perhaps, I mean, the most unbelievable, uh, terrifying and uh, now uplifting, uh, it, you know, the result has been after many years of therapy and so on, the result has been you've taken this to help others and to empower others. And, you know, we must only admire what you're doing and i hope that this message gets out there to aid workers humanitarian workers people who are at risk of this i mean the most unbelievable uh, the most horrific trauma possible and i you know i've got you we're on zoom and i've got your your your, your image up here and you don't look like a person who's suffered <laughs> trauma. you don't look like i would imagine and i don't want to minim you know i don't want to diminish what's happened minimize it minimize it it's it's just you know between 2013 and now so much has happened uh, since yeah. we last spoke and so i just going to say people need to read your book that's rise up phoenix and it's in italian it's in english is it in other languages is uh, in italian the original version is il viaggio della fenice mm -hmm. and uh, in, in english it's uh, rise up phoenix in spanish still i'm not i didn't trust <laughs> it's on the way it's I, on the way <laughs> so, uh, yes and and then your website sabrina prioli dot uh, com. com so for people to yeah. check it out and of course i will be putting the, all of this on facebook and instagram and everything else yeah. but, uh, and uh, of course i work also with spanish and in italian and in english and i also do a lot of uh, pro bono uh, coaching for women that they can't afford and they have uh, abuse or violence and so i'm i'm working also in this kind of project it's amazing and uh i well i as i said i'm i'm speechless but so very thankful that we could thank you Richard. talk eight years later i guess it is eight yeah. years later uh, but uh, and i wish under different circumstances but i think that you know sharing this story is is uh uh, well, I mean, for me, it's it's revealing, but sharing it to other people out there, hopefully we can we can help, you know, hopefully yeah. this, this message gets out there. So let me just take this moment to say thank you so much, Sabrina, for your time in Zambia, in Zambia. And, thank you. Uh, thank you, Richard. <laughs> you're most welcome. It's been a, it's been an absolute honor, a, a privilege and 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 just, uh, well, I, I again, I the words do not describe it. And uh I hope to be able to, uh, you know, talk to you from another perspective in another continent, <laughs> maybe in person yeah. when this uh, all, yeah. all progresses. But uh, thank you again. Check out uh, Sabrina's website. It will be on the Facebook page and Instagram and so, so on. This has been episode 367 of the Columbia Calling Podcast. I know you've enjoyed it. It has been shocking breathtaking uplifting uh i yeah <laughs> i'm going to sign off for today i have no more words thank you for listening everyone
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.